0: The peace of our Lord be with you. you. As you will no doubt have noticed, this morning's gospel lesson is yet another one of those which, once it has been read out loud, uh, you can't not talk about it. It is among the most violent passages in certainly the New Testament with its images of plucking out the eye, cutting off the hand, not to mention the fact that there is that cluster of references to hell. The closest cluster in all the Bible converges in this morning's gospel lesson, a fierce passage of scripture which, in the space of three verses, translates three times the word Gehenna, the name of a valley near Jerusalem, as our English word, hell by the time of Jesus Gehenna was a valley with a history a long history as a place to be avoided a location where bad things happened Jesus underscoring the seriousness of his listeners decisions and actions by comparing The consequences of their worst choices to a life lived in the dreadful valley of Gehenna, translated in our English language Bibles as hell. Another way of saying, be careful how you live, because how you live matters. The hell of worms and flames in today's gospel lesson intended to be taken no more literally or less seriously than the admonition in today's gospel lesson to cut off our hand or pluck out our eye. Jesus using extreme word pictures to underscore how important it is for us to be careful how we live because how we live matters. Which, needless to say, is a way of speaking about hell which is not the same as the hell of popular Christianity which is an endless torment to which people go for not believing what Christians believe. Careful speech, speech that is rigorously meticulous to be as specifically careful as possible requires us to say that that hell, the hell of popular Christianity, is different from the hell we find on the lips of Jesus in today's gospel lesson. That is important for all of us to know, especially our young people who are growing up As did I in a religious world dominated by a popular Christianity which has long embraced the idea that people who do not believe what Christians believe will spend eternity in an endless place of endless torment. I grew up believing that way but I can remember even as a child that there was something deep inside of me that could not reconcile that view of hell with the nature of God. Not only because it was an unresolvable mystery, our faith is just filled with wonderful unresolvable mystery. It wasn't and isn't that it is an unresolvable mystery. Rather, it is that it is an irreconcilable moral issue to say that because Adam and Eve reached for power and control in the Garden of Eden, the original sin, you can be like God. That was the original sin reaching for power and control. To think that Adam and Eve reached for power and control in the Garden of Eden and thereafter all subsequent humans are born from the moment of birth for eternal torment unless they decide to believe what Christians say about Jesus presents us not just with an Unresolvable mystery, but with an irreconcilable moral dilemma. As William Sloan Coffin once said, always be suspicious of any theology which makes God's love less than human. I didn't know that that sentence existed, but from childhood I felt the moral conflict in my spirit about all of that. But though I doubted it deep down, I never questioned it out loud. Then somewhere along the way, I think maybe when I was in my 30s, I had a revelation which I believe, though I cannot say with certainty, was from the Holy Spirit. It's a very simple, small, quiet revelation that instead of adjusting what we believe about God to align more nearly with what we believe about hell, we should adjust what we believe about hell to align more nearly with what we believe about God and that is when I began to say out loud with my mouth what I had long known in my heart, which is that this is God's world and in God's world it will be God who has the last word. This is God's world and in God's world it will be God, not rejection or sin, alienation or hell, who gets the last word. And if the last word said is going to be God's, then the last thing done is going to be good. If God is going to have the last word, then ultimately, finally, eternally, No matter how long it takes, God will finally get what God has always wanted. Every soul God ever loved, which is every soul who ever lived, ultimately, finally, eternally healed, and home with God. As the book of James says, mercy will triumph over judgment so that, as the book of Revelation says, every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the sea can sing together forever around the throne of God. The ultimate, eventual, eternal, redemption of the whole creation. Not without a hell of judgment, but through a hell of judgment. A long, hard hell one imagines. Where truth will be spoken, responsibility will be owned, victims will be faced, and sin will be judged. A long, hard hell which may last millions or billions of years but a hell with a point. The point being ultimate redemption for all which God wants. Not endless rejection for any which God doesn't want. The kind of hell which actually sounds like the kind of God who was most fully revealed in the Jesus who told the story about the shepherd who will not stop looking. Until. Until when? according to the story until the last lost sheep is finally found and safe and healed and home. Praise God.